KO here. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila, where we are working to inspire positive, radical social evolution. Today is an awesome one. We are discussing all things reinvention. I am welcoming power boss, Kathy Sharp Ross, to the TNT mic. She is the author of Reinvent Your Life, What Are You Waiting For? It's an incredible book about reinvention, putting your human side first. The forward is by Quincy Jones. And we have a phenomenal conversation uh, about so many things. She has a plethora of experience in the business world, in the life world. She's traveled the world. Um, it's really in-depth conversation about really dialing into who you are, who you want to be, and how you can take those first baby steps to reinvent uh, what's coming for 2021 for yourself. Enjoy this one, Kathy. I appreciate you. Everybody, be ready for that new year. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. Today is another fabulous one. I have female power boss in the house, Kathy Sharp Ross. She is the author of Reinvent Your Life, new book that's out. Uh, Reinvent Your Life, What Are You Waiting For? If you're watching on YouTube, we've got a beautiful cover right in her backdrop so you can see it. She is the president of the Sharp Alliance uh, and brand and lifestyle marketing guru who's made a living out of shaping and advertising corporations uh, and brands on how to forge their path in the world. Uh, I was reading her bio and there's so much to unpack. I'm, I'm excited to have uh, this conversation and dig into some details. But without further ado, Kathy, welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Excited to see you. It's the holidays. It is the week before all of the madness. Oh, did I just lose my screen with you? It's oh, no. I can see you. You can. I'm so sorry. You're good. Yeah. We, we were just Let's chatting. We I always try I, that. There we go. <laughs> I like to keep it as transparent as possible. Well, number one, well, my number one core value is honesty. So I love transparency. So I try and keep it real with the audience because so many people are like jumping into podcasts. So I like the flaws to be there. So whatever happens, you know, we roll dogs, housekeepers, mm -hmm. husband working from home who hijacked the internet, you know, all of those, <laughs> like we live with this every day. So it's, we're good now. I don't know so, what that little glitch was, but I am here and thank you. I'm so glad to be here. And I just, I'm super excited to have this conversation with you today. I love your energy. Oh, thank and you. And of course I love tequila and I use turmeric almost every day. So yes. I just, just super excited. I love it. Well, I think we do have a lot in common. As I was uh, reading your uh, about your agency, KO Alliance is my consulting setup, and it kind yeah. of formulated, it sounds like it was similar to your story, out of just a collection of experiences, and then I just put it all together for kind of a one-stop shop of a multitude of uh, things that we can now do. Um, and we were just, before we jumped on the mic, we were talking about how we learn as we go, because now we're learning electronics and microphones and podcasting, so the skill set of evol evolution never goes away. Right. Um, but I want to jump right in because you are from Australia, came to California, made California your home, um, a ton of stuff. Tell us a little bit about, before we get into the professional side in the book and the coming podcast, about young Kathy. How is this coming from Australia to California? Unpack that journey a little bit for us. I'd be happy to. I actually think it really formed who I am and why I do what I do because I grew up not only um, as an Aussie, I'm a, I am an Aussie, will always be an Aussie, um, grew up in Melbourne, Australia. And when I was young, my parents fortunately loved to travel. So they took myself and my two older sisters on the road, traveling the world a lot. A lot. 
So I saw a lot of the world at a very young age and it made me realize a, how big the world was. Um, it started to really arouse a lot of curiosity in me. The colors, the shapes, the cultures, the smells, the scents, the stories. There, there was so much that was apparent to me that getting out of those sort of four walls of the city that I was growing up in, which was a big, beautiful city with a lot of, you know, an, an amazing place, but I saw what else was there. So it made me realize from a very early age that there was so much to be curious about in the world. And then we moved and we went and lived in Israel for four years. So I lived in Israel from the age of 10 to 14. And that was fascinating. It was actually during the time of a war. And so I actually got an amazing experience just living in, you know, this incredible, completely different culture and different people, different language, went to school, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh grade in a foreign language. I mean, try that one on for science. Try doing science in a language you've never spoken in your entire life, right? So again, had to make a lot of new friends, had to connect, had to find ways to engage and explore and fit in, and then moved to the States when I was 14. And moving to Los Angeles, you know, wonderful, easy, fabulous place to live. Moved to Beverly Hills of all places. And what a far cry from where I had come, just come from. It was like the polar opposite. It was like, mom, where are the dogs and where are the people? And why is everybody behind big high walls? And, you know, until I got to know my community and create friendships and what have you. So I really kind of grew up with this wonderful sense of what the world and different people and different cultures were, were about. And I think that really had a lot to do with what I went on to do professionally later in life. I was always the new kid on the playground going, hi, I'm the new girl. Want to talk to me? And so walking up to people now in a room at a conference and going, hi, I'm Kathy Sharp Ross. I'm the CEO of the Sharp Alliance. Let's talk about X. That confidence is just kind of second nature to me at this point in my life to be that person. So yeah, kind of a fun background. I love it because we are um, intentional humans. Like you kind of set out your mind, maybe it's in your blood, maybe it's you're, you're taught that, what have you. And it's funny how the universe, I always say universe, God, Madonna, whatever you believe, um, kind of provides this path for your, for your end game. And you don't even know it until you're paying attention. You're like, oh, I'm so glad I went to XYZ school and that my family happened to grow up here. And then we traveled and I was exposed right. to all these things that you couldn't plan. Like it kind of, things it was beautifully like an work adventure. out. It was like an adventure that was really a gift. And I thank my parents all the time still to this day that I got to do that. I look at all my old friends that are still back in Melbourne and they've got great lives. But I was like, I'm so glad I've had the life that I got to live. Yeah. And it really also sort of gave me a very sort of free-spirited sensibility. Um, it didn't hurt that my mother was doing yoga when I was three years old and teaching it and wearing an arm symbol around her neck. Yes. And my father was the, you know, entrepreneur, you can do anything, think outside the box. So I feel like I'm this incredible combination of both of those qualities in my parents, which is, I think, pretty special. At least it works for me. <laughs> yeah. That's why well, I don't think everybody can live each other's lives, but the, the beauty in line, like the silver lining is it works for you and your personality yeah. and, and your skill set. Um, how much of that mindfulness, I mean, that's fabulous that you had the awareness and mindset around yoga. I'm more of a CrossFit fitness. I'm a longtime athlete. I believe in uh, fostering life skills through sports, particularly for our young females. Very yes. passionate about that. And um, as the mindful practices, I do yoga now. I'm, I'll just say I'm not built for it. I need to do it more of a flexibility 
abilities. I'm I can dig a rock, deadlift, or, or dig a whole right. new rock. Um, right. But the the mindset's so critical. Has that? It sounds like you're exposed young, obviously, but has that maintained in your world to help you keep like your mental health and just feet on the ground in general? Yeah. And it's funny because for me, there's a bit of, yeah, there's, there's yin yang and whatever else might fit into that picture. There's the yoga and meditation, there's dance. So I do a lot of dance fitness, nice. like Zumba fitness dance. My oh, sister went into dance studios. So I can kind of pop in whenever I feel like it, whenever the spirit moves me, like I woke up this morning going, oh, five o'clock today, I need to go dance to bring in the weekend. Right. Um, and I play tennis. So I play like okay. three times a week. And fortunately through COVID, that's been one of the one things in my husband plays. So we're able to go and play in those courts around the corner. So that's been like my savior. So I love the balance. And again, I think for me, new, different, keeping it up, keeping, keeping it interesting is kind of a, a key theme to my life. Yeah. So it's just that one thing, but I feel like each one of those serves a different purpose. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Well, that Tumberg and Tequila, we're here for balance. And it's so important that I think you exist in multiple worlds. So you're not totally burned out on one. And that is very like an old school thinking of here's how it's been done. Here's how you always do it. And this is, this is what it is. Um, and it's, you know, culture change, our world changes, the environment changes. Like we have to continue this evolution. Uh, one fact I would do want to talk about that I thought was really fascinating, particularly that you're in like Beverly Hills and we're in California where marriages are five minutes and that's a long one. Uh, <laughs> right. You're married to your, to your high school sweetheart. I am. I sure That's am. Huge. It is huge. So we started dating and actually went to the high school prom together. Oh my gosh. Year. Okay. Um, we got married seven years later and we've been married now 32 years. Un okay. So crazy. for someone that's not crazy. married. Yes. That, no, right. I, I mean, well, crazy is subjective. So we're, we're okay with that. Uh, I'm not married and I don't have kids. I've, I've, and I have no regrets. I've always been very intentional about my business and my sport competing and what have you. Uh, although I, it is becoming, I'm very conscious with the universe and, and open um, to the next serious relationship in my world. What is good advice for you for this long-term relationship, marriage, crazy world, like making it all work? Parents, well, it's look, it's been quite the lesson just living through the last nine months under one roof 24 seven, you know, he's been able to go off to work for a few months, but he's back working from home again. Okay, That was a lesson learned because I've always been out. I've have an office 10 blocks from here. I've got a staff, a team, an agency that I run, and I pretty much live on the road every couple of weeks. I'm on a plane going somewhere and have been for 25 years. Wow. Um, New York has been like a second home to me. So again, monthly trips to New York for 20 plus years. So this has been a real test. One would say, I used to always say, hey, you know, the reason we've been married for 32 years is because I'm never home. So it feels like a 10 year marriage, right? And, but I think at the core, we respect one another. We allow each other to have the lives that we want and bring that back to each other. So the ability to create that in a relationship, I think is really important. And having your own interests and supporting each other. I always feel strongly that, you know, I am not his mother. I'm not there to tell him whether or not he can play poker, whether or not he can go out with his friends. We all need that. And I'm the same way. I want to be able to do the things that I know that I love doing with my friends, with people that I want to do around the interests that I have. That doesn't mean I have them, that he should have them. Mm -hmm. where there are mutual interests, great, we'll do that stuff together. But I think the sooner that you can understand that you are two individuals, you are two separate human beings, you may find that 
80% or 30% of what you love to do in common will work, but the rest is okay. And it's really healthy, in my opinion, to have your own time, to have time with other friends, to explore the world in different ways. And I think the older that we get, like now all of my girlfriends and I are saying, okay, there's a trip that I want to take to India or Cuba or something just kind of random. And if he doesn't want to go, that doesn't mean I'm never going to get to do that. That means girls, let's put a girl's trip together and go do something special together. And I think when we nurture our soul, we really are better people. And that's why I encourage in this conversation about reinventing your life that we really do tap into the things that we're passionate about, the things that we love, that we understand where we are entitled to live the life that we want and do the things that are so meaningful for us because there's no reason that we shouldn't create what we want in our lives. I, I completely agree. And I think that's really well said. Everybody write that down or press rewind. Um, that whole <laughs> chunk is really great. And individualism, I, again, team sports person driven to my soul. I'm very big on family and individuality. And I think when you go back to your young self and you see these little idiosyncrasies that truly make us who we are and the individual that we are to tap back into that. And then, as you just said, nurture your soul as you get older, cause that's, that's your DNA and that's who you are. And I, I do think we are meant to be individuals and phenomenal. If you're, team, relationship, you know, business, um, and it can coexist with your individuality. And I, I still think yeah. that's a new conversation for most relationships these days. Yeah, no, so. I, I, I think it's really critical and, and it works because then you come together and you've got more to share with each other. And you're like, I did this, what did yes. you do? And, you know, it's like starting all over again all the time. And that's really fun to keep it fresh in a relationship, especially after this many years. 32 years. That's, I mean, that's, yeah, that's like, especially in California. I mean, that, if it's not a Guinness book world record, I think you got to be close. Right. Pretty damn close, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, that's a perfect segue because um, let's unpack the professional side a little. My end game with business, and this is why I love it, is because it is relationships and it's taking care of people. It's being the best person you can, can be and take care of your clients as best you can, regardless of what angle of business it's in. your business, you talk about strategic partnerships and sponsorships, all relationships. Uh, how is some of this like personal wellness skill set with marriage and kids and traveling really supplemented the business? Or is that really where it's all, was that the inspiration behind the business? I think, I think the way I lived, I knew coming right out of college that I didn't really want to go sit behind somebody's desk from nine to five in a suit and have this kind of corporate job. I, it just, the world was too large of a place for me and my curiosity was too much to be put inside that box. And maybe I didn't really know enough about what that box was or would be, but that was my perception of it. So being this kind of more free spirited individual, I right away said, I want to have my own business. And so kind of out of the box, I had some training working with a very small individual um, practitioner in the PR business and sort of cut my teeth on that a little bit. But I had a jewelry business coming out of college. So I was like, look, I run a jewelry business, but I'll come work for you. But if I need to go do X, Y, and Z, you know, I, I sort of already set my own terms from the very beginning. And then very quickly got into starting my own public relations agency just because I kind of just did. I, yeah. I wanted to do that and started like connecting with people and sharing with them what I thought we could do, I could do with their business and sort of really started to build a company around that. 
And it just grew from there. And it was sort of very much the can-do attitude. And if I couldn't figure it out, I would figure out how to figure it out. Mm -hmm. I would find the people to surround myself. I had a very strong sense that I think was just innate in terms of what was possible with these clients and went after business that I thought I could really contribute to and bring my voice and my, my opinion to. And just really, I think it was that genuine sense of connecting with people and relationship building that very quickly enabled me to build this company. And, you know, coupled with great people that worked around me, just sort of started to lift. So the company sort of went from being a public relations agency doing media, which is all about calling people on the phone and saying, Hey, I've got a great story for you. You know, it's like, I'm representing Kathy Sharp Ross. She's got a book. It's called reinvent your life. Here's what it's about. This is why I think it'd be great for your audience and your readers. And I'd love for you to do a story on her. So everything that I represented talking to the press and the media was sharing something exciting, being enthusiastic. I will say it did not hurt having an Australian accent because in those days you'd get on the phone, you weren't sending emails and inundating somebody's inbox because that didn't exist, but you'd get on the phone with someone on the other end and you'd say, do you have two minutes? You'd have two minutes to kind of get their attention and they either liked what they heard or they didn't. Well, there I was 20 minutes later talking about kangaroos and koala bears and my you know, travels around the world because I was a novelty. So I don't think that hurt me to have right. that accent, okay. which clearly has dissipated over time, unfortunately. Um, but it helped crack that kind of opportunity open. And of course, if they liked what I was sharing with them about clients, then of course we would do stories and, you know, kind of grow the business from there. Um, and then I started producing events and started doing licensing partnerships, sponsorships, and the company really evolved into more of a marketing entertainment production content creation company. Mm -hmm. And today we really do almost everything under the communications, marketing, branding, biz dev verticals um, across virtually every industry, luxury, travel, hospitality, entertainment, sports, fashion, personalities, food, business to business conferences, film festivals, just, you know, music tours. I mean, we do so much with so many really fascinating clients. And I just one hard, hard, fast rule is that I've got to love what the subject matter is. And I really have to like the people that I'm working with. And most of that is attributed to the fact that as a sole practitioner, I mean, I have a whole team and a whole agency. My name is on the door. I am going to work 24-7 to make sure that whatever we committed to doing with that client, we're successful. So that means being up at two o'clock in the morning doing whatever I have to do, whether it's writing, catching up on emails, talking to someone on the other side of the world, which is not unusual. I better like that person and not feel resentful. I better be excited about what it is that I've got to talk about at that hour of the day or night to do that. And I want my team to feel that way. So I check with my team before we sign a client on say, how do we feel about this? It's one thing and it's exciting as you know, to win new business, but the moment they say go, it's now your problem and it's now your challenge and it's our responsibility 
to deliver. And so I really check in with the team and I make sure that we all feel that we can get our head around this, that we are going to give it our all, that we can get passionate about it, that we're interested or engaged or we can do the job. And if that's the case, then, then, you know, we do it. So it, I, it's, it's my playground, you know, and it's got to be fun. I mean, it's yeah. what we do 24 seven. Yeah. I, multiple excellent angles there. And I, I, I'm big in the law of attraction or just energy. And I think whatever you put out, you draw in and it's, it's critical, uh, knowing, I think as you run a couple laps around the entrepreneurial space, not everyone, you don't want every client. You really do want to be selective because anyone that's had the client that just is never happy. And no matter what you do have, it, you want to put your time and energy into situations that genuinely are mutually beneficial. And like you just said, it's fun, it's respectful. And, and we like these humans, regardless of the contract and the amount of money, we only have our time is finite. So how are you spending your time and investing that in people? I and mean, this is time away from our families and our pets and our passions. Exactly. So it really does matter having the, the right humans that you're working with and, and dumping this creative energy into, because yeah. that is also finite. Um, I think any Definitely. loved ones can always see like they, I, at least for me, they know when a big project's happening. Cause it's like, Oh, okay. You call me when this is done. Right. And you let me know when you're de-stressed and this is, right. I can see your mode right now. Right. Um, and I think I'm sure that you're this way. It's, you can't really give less than a hundred percent. Like there's just no, exactly. <laughs> there's no gray areas. You really do got to be picky at some point on who you yeah. work with. Yeah. I mean, we've felt, you know, sadly at times we do have to turn business away Sure. because of that. And you just know that you won't be able to give it your all. And that's not how you want to show up. Right. Well, yeah. and I think it's, it's, the respectful, mature thing to do, because they will likely find someone that's more of a fit for them in exactly. genuinely. Exactly. So it's, you know, you, I've had to run through the door a couple times, I should say the wall to really learn that. Yeah. Uh, Cause some things also look exciting. And you're like, mm, actually, mm. no, but yeah. uh, <laughs> this is kind of a perfect segue. You know, we've done all this experience and we've had these things. What of these pieces are your favorite? Like, is there any one element of the business where you're like, I love you know, sponsorship or events or what have you, what part do you love? And can you share like a good story around maybe one of your favorite activations or something like that? Oh, wow. Um, I will say that I think my favorite part, gosh, I have a lot of favorites. I love the creativity of coming up with campaign ideas where a client comes to us with a challenge and I get it usually pretty quickly. And I so quickly am able to sort of see where we need to go and how we're going to go there and who the right partners would be. And I sort of have a lot of vision in that way when it comes to working with new clients. So I get very excited in the beginning about that process and starting to sort of create what the campaign strategy will be based around that and getting the client to understand and sign off and sort of be a part of that is really fun for me. It's the, it's the creation process, if you will. The other part that I love is making deals. I okay. love reaching out to the people on the other side of that phone, that email, whatever that is across the table and in person. Um, and evangelizing and sharing that with them and envisioning what this client, my client, could do with them to build their business. 
And sometimes that's a really hard sell because they've got their own sense of what's going to build their business. So when they let you in and they start to trust and listen to your creativity, your business strategy, things that are going to impact them, um, it's when you first start to chip away at that sort of like, you know, iron wall and you got to kind of bring it down a little and just kind of get them engaged enough to want to hear it and then kind of like the idea. And then they start brainstorming back with you and going, well, wait a minute. If we do this partnership, that means we could do X, Y, and Z and we benefit from this. And you and all of a sudden you're playing in the space that I love to play, which is the creation together. And it's creation around business building. And that's what excites me the most. And then the execution of that and seeing the outcomes like that, that is just the greatest, funnest thing you could possibly do. And we've had so many different clients in so many different areas and just watching the execution of those relationships. And when we did something really fun years ago, we were brought in by a, a big global agency to support them in a partnership program around Green and Black's Chocolates which is a very well-known organic, natural chocolate brand. Um, they had just reformulated the brand. They had repackaged the brand. It was going through this big metamorphosis and it was Christmas time and they were going to launch on e-commerce. And they came to us and said, we want to do partnerships to help get the word out about the brand. We need like-minded partners to bring in with this. So we approached multiple companies that we thought, you know, about to some research and really fine tuning, you know, what would be the right fit. We ended up walking into a meeting in New York, first meeting with Ted Baker, you know, the clothing brand, Yes, yes. beautiful clothing brand, great brand. And because of the color palettes and just the sensibility of the green and black's chocolate brand, which is part of the Mondelez family. So it's part of a big global brand. Okay. Um, we went into this, I reached out to them. I said, you know, something really interesting. We'd love to do a holiday promotion with you. Walked into the meeting, laid down the samples of the new packaging that nobody had yet seen because it wasn't yet revealed. And we were through like three months out and they said, this is crazy. This is our color palette for Christmas. And they started to pull out imagery and artwork and I didn't have to sell. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I did not have to sell. It was that moment where they just go, we get it. We want to do something. Let's do a gift with purchase. Let's do social media and content. Let's do stuff on our newsletters. They wanted to be our partner because we became a brand and a product or my, my clients green and blacks that gave something back to their customers. And it was very aligned from an aesthetic standpoint and it spoke to their customers and, you know, there were all the right reasons. And that's just a tiny example of one of those moments where it comes together mm -hmm. and it's fantastic to see that happen. Everybody was very happy. So we do a, a lot of things like that. We also do a lot of very high ticket sponsorships okay. that have very significant, uh, you know, promotional partnerships that are multi-year deals. They may tie in with real estate, entertainment projects, big brands. So we deal a lot with the C-suite executives at all the high level brands. Um, we're in the middle of a really fun one right now, Jurassic Quest, which is a tour, yes. the touring drive-through show, um, which has got 80 animatronic dinosaurs um, that you drive through this whole experience and it's traveling the whole country. And so we're working with a whole bunch of different promotions and partnerships around that right now, which is really fun. 
I love it. It's <laughs> this is so many like different angles, but seeing the the creation and that creative process come together. Um, and again, my athlete mind is building that team. I that's yeah. a piece I love. It's like you pull all these pieces together and these like-minded humans, core values, and then they bring this different professional skill set to the table. And it's really cool to see someone uh, or multiple people work as a unit, and then you see something come to fruition. Yeah. Uh, you know, success is one thing also from the athletic side and it is, but I also think our failures are defining moments and it really shows our true character. Was there a point or a project where you, it was like truly a failure and I'm sure you learned the most, but something that stands out in your mind where like, this is a noteworthy story and I'd love for everyone to hear it. Cause if you can learn from this and streamline someone else's process, like get a pin, this is how it goes. Yeah. Um, hmm. I'll tell you one of the things that I consider sort of those challenges in the mm -hmm. business and you know, I'll try to sort of think in the back of my mind of, of moments of failure because I'm sure there have been plenty and I, I block those out, right? Sure, sure. But I will say that there are times where you go into a campaign, you're really excited about the type of partnerships and programs that brands will want to engage in around your client's property and they're not buying it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's hard because so much time, energy, passion, relationships, you know, I always say you can lead the horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Um, you know, I, I can never promise. And I'm always so quick to say, I will never guarantee somebody else's money. I can't get into the, the checkbook of Citibank or B of A or Toyota or, you know, and force someone to write that check. I can put you in the room you can present the best case. We can convince them of all the wonderful things that we could do together. But at the end of the day, every one of these brands and companies that we're talking to may have their own agenda. And you can't control that. You can only create the best circumstances in which to create these relationships. And they may come back to you, which has happened to me over and over and over again. <laughs> six months later, the brand calls up and goes, you know that thing you brought into us six months ago? Well, now we're ready to do it. Would you like to still do it? And I love those calls. Those are my favorite. Um, I think that we have to be realistic. And I'm always really careful to manage those conversations with our clients because that is part of the business that we deal with. Um, but it's also about being proactive, about really being smart and finding right fit partners that really belong with them. And it's also one of the reasons why I started to do a lot more under the umbrella of our company. When I first started out in public relations, to me, it was like, that's nice. The coverage is great in the newspapers and the stories and the radio and the television and all that. But what else could we be doing to build your business? And so <clears throat> we very quickly pivoted into these other disciplines so that we could help at the end of the day, their goal was to build their business, sell more tickets, sell more widgets, provide more services, whatever it was that that client needed or wanted to grow their business was what we were there for. So I started to really go back to our clients, which is again, why the business grew into such a multidisciplinary company was because I said, that's nice. But if that story on the front page of the New York Times is not moving the needle on your business, what else could we be doing? What direct marketing, what events, what partnerships and sponsorships, what social media content, what can we be doing to help build your business in other ways? 
So I think it's really important to be able to look at it from that because not everything will be an out of the box success and it takes a lot of work and there will be failures along the way. And failures are really just signposts saying, uh, that did not work so well. Time to pivot or reinvent. <laughs> Look, I, I launched my book March 7th, right? The, literally the eve of shutting down this country. <laughs> and I had book signing events and parties and things planned all over the country for six months that tied into business trips that I had to do, which was such an amazing strategy for me. It was like, God, I've got to be in New York. I'm going to have five events. I'm going to be doing this in San Francisco and Chicago. And that didn't happen. I had to reinvent my entire book launch strategy and plan. Now, some people may look at that and go, wow, I had a book coming out. What a failure. It didn't happen. No, I leaned into that and said, really? What am I going to do? How am I going to pivot on a dime? How am I going to reinvent my book launch strategy and marketing plan? And everybody's sitting at home in front of computers on Zoom calls with more time on their hands, which means they can get on Zoom community events. They can read more books. They're one click away from ordering the book online. I went through this whole litany of all the good things that could come out of this And the topic was reinventing your life. We were all either being forced or invited, depending on how you want to look at it, to rethink what you were doing with your life, your work, your relationship, your passions, your hobbies. The most extraordinary time to be having this conversation. So I had to kind of really rethink how I was looking at the opportunity in front of me and capitalize on it. So I created the Reinvention Virtual Chat series initially three times a week. It was Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays. And I was like, you know, I think after two months, we all said no more Saturdays on Zoom. Thank you. And then, and the weather got better. So we were all like, I'm out, right? I can walk, I can play tennis, I can go do something. And then I scaled it back to two days a week. And this became this business therapy, community, personal therapy of amazing guests, great conversations. I even had digital bookshops behind me. So every time we got on, I was in a different bookstore with my book sitting on an easel supposedly and on the (laughs) table and have these amazing backdrops. So I could feel like I was doing my book tour and I was showing up and I was having all these amazing, you know, folks join the conversation and be part of it. And I still do that. And uh, it's been, you know, a really amazing experience to, to do that. And You know, I think we just have to be prepared for those moments and learn how to pivot and be flexible. Yeah, well, I think it's really critical for businesses right now to have that really in-depth ability to be multifaceted and tackle projects with all these different levels because you need to be on TikTok and have influencers and and like have it. But how perfect when then pandemic hits, you've got this and now you've got all this deep creativity and uh, ability to find solutions in creative ways for yourself, for your own project. Um, And that's that's pretty cool. I I really want to unpack the book. But before that, I think staying relevant is really critical, particularly in Hollywood. Um, How you keep things fresh, how you keep your business on the trend setting tip, how you stay on the forefront of, you know, potential clients' minds. XYZ. What is something that you've done over the years to continue to evolve? That kind of seems to be the uh, unintentional point of this conversation, but um, to evolve and then continue to stay on that trend setting tip as a business and wanting to be relevant and, you know, at the forefront of forging what's next. 
Yeah. Well, learning is a constant. Um, I think it's really important to stay up with the new ways, the new technologies, the new platforms. I am a voracious reader. I probably get 20 to 30 newsletters in my inbox every day from various industries. It's overwhelming. (laughs) But if I can read headlines and get a sense of where the world is going and it's trending because I keep seeing it here and there and Mm -hmm. I'll flag it. I'll make sure I read it on the weekend. I have a team who go through leads and opportunities and we do a spreadsheet that kind of streamlines a lot of that content. Um, But I am a constant learner. I think it's really important that we give ourselves that gift and that we continue to evolve and stay in front of what is happening. And we do that for our clients. So we really have to do that. It's it's not really an option. I have made a living out of connecting out of people. I mean, dare I say, I've got maybe 14,000 people in my database, in my phone, let alone our company database. <laughs> it's, I, col- I collect people in a way and I'm a connector. Yeah. So, you know, I, I love connecting people and I love breeding new relationships and I take them very seriously. And I, I'm really appreciative of the connections that I make and the connections people make for me and Mm -hmm. to me. Um, I, I really feel that giving back to a lot of people is my way of growing my network as well. So for me, that's really important to be a mentor, to be able to share, to be available to people and making the time to do that. And yeah, if I had a dime for every person who calls me and asks me for a favor or to help them (laughs) or to connect them, I wouldn't be working. Sure. But I really make a point of making the time to, to be that person because for me, that feels good. I love being that person, even if I'm really busy, but I'll, I'll carve out the time for that. Um, and you know, what, what I'm gravely missing right now is the human connection that I am so accustomed to. When I go to New York, I do eight to nine meetings a day. I'm in and out of buildings. I'm at lunches, breakfasts, drinks, dinners, connecting, getting a group together, getting new groups together, getting that group of 12 people in the middle of ad week to a dinner that I'm hosting because I want them to all meet and connect because I know that they will all thrive from that. I miss the conferences, the, you know, all of the industry conferences and events that we've missed in the last nine months where you bump into, it feels like a reunion on one hand at this point in my life, but you also bump into someone and they go, oh, have you met so and so? And then you're connecting. What do you do? What do you do? Oh, that's really interesting. And from there, business comes constantly. I've never had to really pursue it. It's always showing up by virtue of the connections and the conversations and people understanding. So to that end, I stay visible on LinkedIn with what we're doing, um, whether it's through sharing things that clients are doing, whether it's sharing projects and work that as an agency we're doing, whether it's inspiring people to think differently just through thought leadership. Um, And I think that's really important. And then we have a newsletter, a database that, yeah, keeps us top of mind with people in terms of services. So when all of this started happening and I realized what we were doing for our existing clients and helping them pivot and helping them rethink how to go from real events to virtual to utilizing direct communication, digital content, how to like reconnect and engage with their clientele or vendors or visitors or audience 
we had to sort of remind people that that's stuff that we do when we were there to help them and we were open for business and you know that if they needed a sort of interim cmo or a small agency that could really help pivot with them and for them or just brainstorm that we were here to do that and so i like doing it in that manner and i feel like it constantly you know, reconnects me with my people. And I love that. I miss that. You know, I wake up sometimes in the middle of the night going, oh my God, I haven't talked to Steven in so long. And I'll like make a point to just send him a text in the morning or an email saying, hey, let's catch up next week. And these are the people that I would run into in New York over lunch or have a coffee with or say, I'm going to be in town in San Francisco. Let's grab a drink. And you're not doing that right now. So you have to be more deliberate Mm -hmm. about staying connected to your people. Well, perfect segue. I agree. I love humans. I love interactions. I love having the common ground of, you know, marketing or podcasting. And then we talk about like yoga or CrossFit or, you know, our kid's dog has the same trainer or something. And you get to see like the little idiosyncrasies that make them, I hate to say this, but their own type of human, their own brand. Yeah. They're they're human, which branding gets kind of a a crazy rap right now because everyone's a brand. But Yeah, you get to be like sure. your authentic and you get to see the in-between. And that's like one of my favorite little situations. Um, so not having that is tough. However, when you're starting a podcast, what a beautiful situation to be intentional about connections and uh, converse about whatever, meaningful topics or just catching up, like we're, we're all here. Tell us a little bit about this coming podcast. And then we, will, we are going to talk about this book in depth, um, but give us the overview on the podcast. Well, I'm super excited. I always had a goal of doing a podcast around the subject of reinvention. Um, I've been writing content blogs for the HuffPost and Thrive Global for 10 years. The book's been in the works. It finally came out in March. So there was always a plan to release a podcast to align with the book. Then COVID happened and sort of threw a wrench and just, you know, all all kinds of plans. And then of course I dug into the reinvention virtual chat series and I thought, you know what, this is my podcast for now. This is going to be my platform to create community. And what I really loved about it and still do is that it gave me an audience that we could connect with real time doing and talking about everything that everybody's got going on and all these motivational, inspirational stories. So I was sort of really happy with that, but the goal of doing a podcast was always still in the back of my mind. And then finally sort of dug in, I'm working with this incredible group, PodMax, who are going to be producing it for me and helping distribute it and promote it. And we're actually doing some incredible business for them and all of the offerings that they have. So it's kind of fun to be able to work together on both sides of our collective businesses. But it was an opportunity to bring a great team to support me in doing this and kind of help deal with some of the heavy lifting and the nuances that it takes is I don't need to tell you, you do it every day Um, while I'm juggling, right? The business and the chats and marketing the book and everything else that life throws at us. So it's going to launch January 7th. Um, I have five interviews lined up. One, I did the first one yesterday and I've got a whole bunch next week and I'm going to be interviewing a lot of very high level strategic thinkers, thought leaders, marketers, brand and business folks from the C-suites of major companies and very high level entrepreneurs who've had great successes and stories, who have hit a lot of road bumps and challenges that can share their stories um, about those reinvention journeys 
and all that goes with it. And that's very indicative of what's in my book um, in Reinvent Your Life, What Are You Waiting For? The book is full of 30 stories, 26 power tools, men and women from all walks of life, their journeys. And I really want these stories to be relatable. I want people to be able to say, wow, if he could do it, I could do that. If she could do that, I could do that. So that relatable piece of it, it's not my reinventions. I'm really here to curate those stories and inspire and motivate people and put some thought leadership around the power tools that enable people to understand how to get from point A to B, B to C. It's not A to Z. A to Z is overwhelming. A to B, <laughs> great. B yeah. to C, yeah. fabulous. C to D, pat yourself on the back, do a happy dance. Like, Every one of those steps is critical. And when you break, when you break it down to bite-sized pieces, anything's doable. Yeah. It might take five minutes. It might take 10 years. But if you keep putting one foot in front of the other, you are going to get where you want to be. And you just got to believe in that. You got to believe that you're entitled. You've got to look at the fear of failure as a sense of adventure and that every little bump and every little challenge is just going to be a moment to reassess get creative, come up with a solution. I mean, you know, launching my book on March 7th was definitely a road bump, right? After 10 sure. years of sure. this in the works, you're like, what? How did I pick this month, this year <laughs> this for this works. to happen? But you just, yeah. you have to embrace it and own it and, and not take yourself too seriously in the process. Absolutely. I think that's so critical. We do get in this mindset of here's in game. And what's so funny about the A to Z is sometimes when you're going in those bite steps, Z changes. When you go from A yeah. to B, whatever, especially right? in this world, in five minutes, now oh we've God. got TikTok. Then we've got it, and like things are irrelevant instantaneously. Yeah. So yeah. you really, you got to just stay, just relax and like keep up the awareness and see what's changing because everything's changing so quickly. Yeah. And uh, this is where I actually have deep faith in our young humans that are on the trendsetting tip just naturally because they were born with it, grew up with it. And I do think it's an overload of information, but that's a whole different podcast. Uh, but you are, I mean, there's so, they're aware of so much more than we were when we were growing up. And there's so much information that is way more accessible that they know what's going on all the time. Like I love being around young people and hearing just what they're talking about, how they're consuming, what they're doing, what's important to them. Cause they really right. are on the forefront of things. I know, um, it's amazing. With all this, you know, experience and everything you've done, what was, why did we want to do a book? Like, what was the inspiration behind the book? It sounds like excellent people and major stories you needed to share, but what was like the main inspiration? Well, I didn't know the stories I needed to share at first, okay. um, but the moment of inspiration, and I appreciate you asking this because I always love to go back to this moment in time. I never in my life thought, oh, I'm going to write a book when <laughs> I get older, or I have a book in me. And a lot of people do. And I, I think that's awesome. I've written my whole life. I journaled as a kid from the like, you know, the age of eight to fifteen. So I have all these journals stacked up on a shelf by my bed, which is pretty cool. Just to pop those open. So I always loved to write and communicate. And I think because when I traveled the world and lived in different places, I was pen palling with all of my friends. Oh, cool. So, you know, I never really thought about that till right this moment. <laughs> I I was storytelling. This is where I am, this is what I'm doing, this is how I like it, this is how I don't like it. This this is how I feel. You know, I, I guess that sort of just was sort of a natural process at that point in my life for me. So I always wrote and then went into the business of PR and marketing, which is all about writing. You're telling other people's stories. You're taking a book, a pen, an event, a, a, you know, a, a company full of, you know, beautiful crystal dishes. Mm -hmm. You're telling their story and getting other people to 
want to engage in it, right? So I kind of created, and it didn't come naturally, I don't think, but it was kind of in me to be this writer, if you will. Um, but I never thought of me myself as a person who was going to write a book. I was sitting at dinner one night in New York. It would have been 10 plus years ago. And I was having dinner with a friend. And a lot of people have said to me over the last 30 years, especially at that point, 20 years, oh, you're so lucky. You get to do what you want, when you want, how you want. You're always happy. You're having fun. You're making money. You know, we're all in these stodgy jobs, climbing the corporate ladder, dealing with all these corporate nuances. There weren't a lot of entrepreneurs like there are today. And you're so lucky. It's, I'm not lucky. I work my, excuse me, my ass off 24 oh, seven. Okay, good. 24 yeah. oh, yeah, seven. And I work hard to create what I want, but I'm lucky that I know what I want. And I, in that moment, I think I realized that not everybody sees the world through that lens. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people, if you walk into a room full of 10 people, seven out of those 10 people are going to tell you they're not happy doing what they're doing with their lives, whatever that is. It doesn't have to be work. It could be any part of their lives. And I thought, I think people need to know what is possible and what they could have and that they're entitled to have a happy life and they've just got to figure out how to create it. Well, if you don't know what you're passionate about and you don't know how to create it, who's going to tell you? So I started interviewing people and getting stories from people that had kind of pivoted second chapters, next chapters, you know, reinventions, all these kind of nuances of things that were either catalyst moments that were forced upon them because they were fired or someone died or something happened. And it was kind of a moment that changed their lives. People who woke up and sort of said, wow, my life's pretty awesome. What else could I be doing now? This is real life is fun. What else is there? Like not rest on our laurels. And I'm such a curiosity adventure seeker in that regard that for me, it was natural to find and pursue those stories as well. So when I started this note, and I, in that moment at dinner, when we were having this conversation and I was having this realization, I said, I'm going to write a book about this. So I don't even know where that came from. It just came out of my mouth. And like everything that I do, the moment I put that stake in the ground, it was like the virtual chat. When I sat there in those first two weeks of March, when my book came out and I was talking to my team about all my clients stuff that we were going to be taking this future of storytelling summit that was happening in June in New York, which now was not going to happen. And we're taking them virtual. I was like, well, wait a minute. I need to do that too. I was like, I'm going to start the reinvention virtual chat, period, done. Write the newsletter, set, Oh, sorry, I'm excited. The, the enthusiasm is tangible. Yep. <laughs> Send it out and everybody show up next Tuesday. We're having the first virtual chat. And that was that. And oh. so it's very much the way I do things. And it was very much in that moment for the book, the catalyst moment. So as I had this idea for a book, I had no idea what I was doing. I started really, you know, creating content. And on, on that note, at the time I was handling a women's summit in New York called women. It was called the we summit women, inspiration and enterprise. And Ariana Huffington and Donna Karen were two of sort of the key people that were part of this entire um, women's summit. We had a dinner party the night before the summit and I was sitting next to Ariana Huffington and this was probably a month after I had decided to write a book. And I said, you know, I'm writing a book about reinventing your life. I'd love to write a column for the Huff Post. 
And she Love said, oh, oh, darling, of course, we're going to start a reinvention section in two weeks. Here, I'll put you in touch with my editor. I'm like, excellent. So that started that. And now it's Thrive Global, which is very exciting. Um, and I'm still contributing to HuffPost once in a while, just you know, busy. So not doing sure. as many external blogs as I used to. But that was the beginning of the constant, like finding story angles, finding real concerns, issues, challenges, opportunities, interviewing a lot of people, getting their stories, and started writing the book. So it was a process. I had to find the editors to do it. And it was a beautiful process because it was mine. It was on my timeline. I didn't want to be beholden to anybody else. I had enough deadlines in my life. Sure. And it just sort of became the journey. And frankly, I look at it all now. And this is when I say, you know, you can have five minute reinventions or 10 year reinventions. Frankly, I look at what I did and I touched it in some way, whether it was the marketing plan, the ideas, finding the famous quotes, doing interviews, writing more content for a blog, putting things on social media. I was living with the content day in and day out in some little way or some big way till I finally sort of said, Hey, Oh my gosh, look, I have a book in my hand. It's real, (laughs) you know? And I think we have to understand the value of that. Because those of us that are sitting there going, oh, I can't do it. I've got two jobs. I'm a single parent raising two children. I've got this challenge. I've got elderly parents I'm caring for. I couldn't possibly dream of opening that chocolate shop on Main Street. Well, no, but you could go mentor there or volunteer on a Saturday and see how it feels to be doing that and start doing research in your pajamas at 11 o'clock at night and, 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 and so we make excuses. I talk a lot about that in the book, but where there is a will, there's always a way. And I think that we have to allow ourselves the grace to know what we're entitled to have in our lives because this is our life. And we may have a lot of reasons around us that it may be challenging to do something we want, but if we really want to, no matter how long it takes, put that reinvention roadmap together, break it down into bite-sized pieces, pat yourself on the back every time you do something that is inching you towards that goal. Be prepared for those that, like you said, the Z is going to change. Be prepared for the changes, the bumps in the road, the COVIDs to happen that are going to throw a wrench in your plan. Stop listening to those naysayers or the voice in your head that is saying, oh, you can never do that. Just have the grace to give yourself that gift that you can have what you want in your life. I, I was going to say, do you have advice for people out there? But we just covered it all. So everyone write that down and then go get the book. Uh, <laughs> I really think though, you summed it up so perfectly. It starts with that mindset. You are the first person you sell. So you really do have to change your mind around the way you're looking at things about what's possible. I love and that. I love what you just said. You are the first person that you sell. Yeah, it's, it's true. You know, yeah. we, and I don't know if this happens to you, but as you get older, it's not that I get less patient. It's just like in certain like client or business opportunities, you, you, you get it quick and see so you streamline process and you can tell like when they don't even buy it. And I'm like, yeah. Well, you don't even believe in this. Like, yes, this yeah. looks great. We can for sure sell this. I think it's great, but you don't. And I can see that. And that's an immediate, it's a no for me. So I'm like, okay, we can't do this. So it can be on this major scale, you know, major, you know, seven figure budget, 
project, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, Lemonade Stand, what have, what have you, and Young Human is super excited. Or they believe in it's the best lemonade they've ever made. I would choose that small thing. I mean, we, we got to make money pay bills. But the passion piece where they're in it, they bleed it, and they believe it is, is number one. And I, I really wish people, particularly Young Humans, could see that. Like, if you can dream it, you really can do it, as cliche and simple as that is. The mindset starting out is critical. Yeah. And it's, it's not that hard. Yeah. Um, it, it, you talked about, you know, the excuses and the people you surround yourself with when you were, uh, writing, it sounds like over your life, you had this very like fearless, we're just going to do it. I, I was an entrepreneur related cause I was a D one yeah. athlete, top 20, very competitive, blah, blah. But the second I walked out of that, I was like, mm, we love my coach. I'm never having a boss again. I don't care what I do. Right. I'm sleeping under a bridge. Good for we're, you. <laughs> we're gonna, yeah. Cause I just personality, yeah. I just can do it, but I didn't, I was yeah. also young and whatever. Um, I Rebellious. knew I could, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Definitely the rebel without a cause. Here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Authority was never my vibe. Yeah. So we were going to color in the lines, you <laughs> yes. know, all of that. No. Yes. Um, and so you have to pack a helmet for something. So like I said, I've run through the wall at least many times, but so I think when the book came to, it sounds like you were, I mean, you had this practice of just jumping and hoping the, sh the shoot opens and it does every time and believing and I do think that's a skill set in itself um but you know since the book was new and it was kind of uncharted territory did you have some of those fears or did you not say uh, talk or share with certain people that might be naysayers so you could protect it yeah I mean look I think we all question does anybody really care what I have to say yeah. <laughs> and yeah. how many self-help books are out there how many <laughs> books about you know and reinvention was not a buzzword five years ago yeah. Um, it started to suddenly populate. And then I was getting nervous that everybody was stealing my word and everybody would be sick of this conversation by the time my book came out. And then I started to realize, which is so often the case in marketing and branding, that if someone is wedging open the category, they're making room for you to come just marching through yes. and they're going to make your job a whole lot easier, which is really, you know, I think maybe a part of it. And now I get excited and I hear the news and they're talking on the 11 o'clock news now about, you know, companies reinventing themselves and this and that. And I'm like, oh, they're all using my language. This is mm -hmm. awesome. This is just making it easier for me to show up in. Um, I definitely had moments and I think I had to go back to the confidence of, well, people have been listening to me in business for 30 years. They take my advice. They take my consult. They pay us a very lovely monthly retainer fee to listen to what I have to say. And it was kind of in those moments where I had to realize what else I needed to infuse into the book, that I had to kind of stop separating the two and bring that A game to the book as well. And it kind of made me even more confident about declaring how to do, what to do, why to do it, when to do it, and stories color that with great examples, but it gave me that, that ability to look at the 26 power tools that I was providing or the anecdotes that I thought would really help people understand that, you know, what's possible. And so, yeah, I definitely, and I, I my go-to is my sister who I'll just call up and go, who am I? And what am I doing? Like, like who cares what I have to say? Right about me quick. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, just remind me. And she's like, Oh, you're amazing. You're, you're like, you know, I'm like, thank you. Just like, I'm having a moment of doubt and God, we're not human if we don't do that or we're lying to ourselves. I mean, really, come on. We, you know, it's okay to have that because you grow from that too. 100%. You do the work, you dig in, you figure it out, you understand why, and you rise above it. 
And I think we all have to do that every day, every week, every month, all the time. We've got to give that. And then we show up better and we do it better. Very well said. I mean, just like when you're at four on the playground and you fall down and you get up, you do it again. And then you try the monkey bars and you try the tire swing and whatever. And like, but as you get older, you like, like, wow, yeah, yeah, you you learn your skill set grows, but we're not used to that trial and failure and whatever. But my thing is if I'm, if I know I'm not failing or I'm not a little bit scared or fearful of something, I know I'm not pushing it. And it fuels you. It does. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you can, you can't get addicted to that too. So balance, um, yeah. it, it's <laughs> you, constantly competing. And I also really, I think that's a really important note when you touched on, uh, kind of like this fear of competition or first of all, always get your trademarks right up. I always say that to my clients reinvention. That might be a tough one to TM, but, um, get your, get the business right, but also don't fear competition. I, I completely agree that collaboration and everyone says like, why another podcast? Why this? And I'm like, well, nobody's turmeric and tequila and we're doing this thing. And I don't really care. Cause we're about graceful disruption and disrupting status quo because like our young people need to see there is a better way and right in line with what you said um but it's it's this constant open-mindedness of breakdown breakthrough we're we're still moving we're forging things and things are moving fast uh it's crazy uh okay we're right at an hour so i want to be sensitive of your Um, schedule okay we where where can we find you where can we get this fabulous book there's no better time right now upon 2021 the new year which needs to be here to reinvent yourself to question and then hear these incredible stories. And even you give us the actual, the tools to do so. So where do we find you? Where do we find the book? Best way to find me is go to the reinvention exchange.com. Everything is on there. Virtual chats that we've done for the last nine months. The podcast page just got um, uploaded this week and we're going to be adding the podcast and all the details about the upcoming podcast there, where and how to buy the book, which of course is on Amazon books and Apple books, ebook and paperback. And um, gosh, just if you want to contact me, you can just fill out the contact form on the website. So the reinventionexchange.com is the best place. I'm on Instagram under reinvention, the reinvention exchange or Kathy Sharp Ross on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Twitter, on all of those with my name, the handles and the reinvention exchange for both. So just, you know, I welcome the conversations, the input, join a reinvention virtual chat, come be a part of the community. We're going to start back up January 12th, I think it is the Tuesday, the second week um, of January with the reinvention virtual chats, which are now just going to be on Tuesdays rather than Tuesdays and Thursdays, because we need time for the podcast. There you go. So um, super excited about all that's to come and really encourage everybody to just open your mind, be good to yourself, listen, take walks, don't turn on the music. Try to refrain from always listening to a podcast when you walk, like switch it up because that's when I, that's my best podcast time is when I'm walking, but we need kind of like alone time with ourselves sometimes just to hear what's possible and what's going on with us. So give yourself that gift. Take some time over the holidays to do that. Yes. Yes. To nature and self-care. So well said, Kathy, I think I genuinely appreciate your time and energy. I'm, you're a phenomenal example of a strong female working her ass off, just being such a great example, but for humans everywhere. I I love your passion. I love your continued ability and open-mindedness to work and learn and reinvent and just continue to get better. Um, I, I genuinely think it's inspiring. I've been inspired to like tighten in my game around the business, around the podcast, um, and see like you're moving all these pieces. So I'm like, ah, girl, get 
on it. And I, I think it's, I appreciate people like you in my world because it keeps us on our toes and it keeps, um, it reminds us what we already know. We just yeah, need reminding well, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Especially right. you, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, some things we know sometimes like, hey, okay, yes, girl, we need to get back to this. You know how to do this. Yeah. Like, let's go. Yeah. Um, but well, I wish you well. You. Please thank have um, a wonderful holiday. And uh, next yoga session, I'll be thinking, I'll be trying to channel this Zen mode. Yeah, that's well, right. I love it. Kristen, thank you so much for having me. I love this conversation. Your energy is incredible. You know, I think we need to just keep talking and have you come for it. Come on my virtual chat one day. I will. I'll check it out. It's definitely been on Jenna. Pratiti has brought but it up. I mean, I mean, as a guest, I want you to okay. like, come on and talk and do your thing. And, and let's talk about your side of what you're dealing with and how you're growing your business. And let's, let's, let's keep the conversation going. Let's do it. I'll send you a thing and we'll get uh, a, something on the calendar. So we're I'd love that. living in digital world. But uh, yes, I appreciate it. And yes, uh, thank you. And I, I really do hope our paths continue to cross. Thanks. You have a wonderful holiday. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Kathy. Okay, bye. bye. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.